Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by Christina Peche, talking about her cabaret, Witches, Bitches, and Divas. <laughs> Yay! Hooray! Hooray! How are you doing today? So good. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, no, I uh, met you through the Great God Pan experience. Or uh, not my experience, but like kind of like voyeuristically watching the Great God Pan experience. <laughs> of me coming home and being like, I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> There's green blood in my mouth. There's so much green blood in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. But you were saying like, well, before we started recording that like you've been super busy since Great God Pan. Yeah. Yeah, I had a. I was uh, down in Texas last weekend for a music theater recital, and um, doing a little bit of my witches, bitches, divas material there. And I have a the second run at Davenport's this Saturday, so trying out some new material. Um, and it's actually it's heading to New England uh, in June. We got very exciting venues coming up, so. Are you able to talk about them? Yeah, okay, sure cool. thing. Awesome. So um, we're heading to Boston. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, June 20th, it's heading to 54 Below Which in New York City. so unbelievably what? cool. It still doesn't feel real. But uh, super excited. And I'm excited to be back at Davenport's. It's a great... It's a great venue to try things out. It's super supportive. The staff there is fabulous. Um, I actually went last night. They had an open mic. Nice. So uh, <laughs> the bartenders are hysterical. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm psyched to be be working with them again. Wow. So what gave you the, what was the inspiration for this, for this cabaret? Yes. Great question. <laughs> um, so I was with a coach in New York and, uh, you know, typically when you're going in for these music theater auditions, you need a type, right? Are you the ingenue? Mm. Um, so he kind of just said flat out, which is bitches and divas. Those are the roles that you should be going for. And I was like, I love that phrase. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say the phrase a lot. Um, and it just felt so right and great. And then um, I think it was within coming to Chicago, I had the concept of making it a cabaret you know, combining um, all these forms that I love so much, but I'm never able to put all in one evening. So it combines theater pieces, a little opera, some jazz, maybe even some pop music, and just switching things up a bit, keeping it fresh, and just showing that, you know, all these genres can exist in one evening. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting for me. I always think about that, and then I always think about, like, so, like, for you, because I have... the questions on the, for interviews are sometimes weird for me because like I'm always like oh I know how I'd answer my own question and then it's like oh no I know this has to be a question um so <laughs> <laughs> so what I, what I'm curious for you is um what for you is the uh audience member who uh that you're programming for if that makes sense right like, uh, who yeah who is the who's gonna who is that what are you picturing in your mind when you're like that person's gonna love this I think anyone who likes to laugh it's full of comedy um, in the way that we mix up songs and, you know, we're playing with these really fun characters throughout the board of all different works. Um, but mostly, you know, upon doing it the first time, what audiences were saying was that they it was fun, it was funny, they were laughing, um, and just, you know, kind of forgetting about what's happening around, around us, just getting out outside and... Mm-hmm. You know, exploring a, a new realm of, of fun, pleasure, <laughs> excitement. 
<laughs> just for an hour. <laughs> so, uh, I'm curious, like, so the inspiration of, of this was kind of by being, like, funnily pigeonholed. And so I'm wondering, like, if... So I, I get I guess I have I guess I have like two directions. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna go this one. So um I'm wondering, like, what is your opinion on this like fochting and like typing? Like wh- how do you feel about oh, about I'm that system? So glad you asked me that. <laughs> um it I hate being put in a box. And for the longest time I felt that um, you know, d- certain teachers or, or um, directors would be like, you have to stick to one thing. And I was doing that for years. And a part of me felt like I wasn't being utilized for all the things that I have to offer. Um, and it, it took a conversation with a mentor that was like, well, why did you ever stop doing theater? Why did you ever stop doing jazz? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, like, let's let's put it back in. And since then, I feel like my singing classically has gotten better because I'm able to differentiate, you know, each genre and I'm mm-hmm. able to, to explore different genres. So uh, another thing that Witches, Bitches, and Divas celebrates is being out of the box, you know, not putting yourself in the small little confined thing of, oh, I only do this, um, but just celebrating things that we all can do that maybe we're scared of exploring. Mm-hmm. I, I have a question. So, which is the nature of this whole thing. <laughs> but um, when he when he defined your your type as witches, bitches, and divas, I'm I'm wondering is that was that like a voice type thing? Was that like was that like a physical type assessment? I'm wondering like in what way he was saying that 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 was your niche. I think it's both. Mm-hmm. Definitely physical. I'm a tall gal. Mm-hmm. Um, I command space just by my how much space I take up mm-hmm. um and you know typically going into body types which I hate so much um you know the the shorter petite girls are the ones that go for the ingenue that's just how they cast things and like yeah. um that's another story for another time mm-hmm. but um yeah so it's it's physical but then also um you know a lot of these uh, witches bitches divas roles it's a certain um fuck per se you know, mm-hmm. in, in the theater realm. So, uh, yeah, both of those things. Like, I, the reason I'm asking is because, like, I don't know. Like, because I, like, I am constantly, like, working against my, because my vocal type and my physical type are completely different. Vocally, I'm an ingenue. Physically, I am not an ingenue. And I have, like, really, I mean, like, that's not to say, of course, that fat women cannot be, are not deserving of love, because of course they are, because, like, I'm amazing. But, yes, like, <laughs> I think, but it's like, you know, d- directors are always hesitant to cast women who look like me, or larger, or even smaller, mm-hmm. in romantic leads, because it's it's not believable. It's It's not the perceived type. And so... I'm wondering, like, you said that, you know, the the story of, you know, Ajnus being short and petite is a story for another time. I'm wondering if you could speak to that, actually. Sure. Yeah. Um, I hate... Uh, how do I say this politely? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I do. I, I hate the stereotypes that 
casting directors have to um, abide by, especially in, you know, your bigger theater houses, Broadway, um, you know, even the big theaters in Chicago. I feel like they will cast someone that looks the part or that is, you know, petite before someone who has nailed it vocally or dramatically. And I hate that. Um, That's happened to me numerous times as well. And it's, uh, it's not portraying natural humans well well yes you can be petite and be a natural human of course but right. yeah. um i'm what i'm getting at is that i don't think the it's an even playing field mm-hmm. for everyone it's not and i think it's more exciting to see people of all of all shapes and sizes on the stage because that you know it it goes back into you know this human uh quality that we can all mm-hmm. you know empathize with yeah I, for me i feel like the thing that i'm mentally circling around is the idea of like the venn diagram of like what is out of the box what is different what is like exploratory and like what is enjoyable and like what is something that an audience is going to get something out of and it's um super thrilling and confirming when that venn diagram is like very much like you know like it seems like because i think in a lot of ways audiences are really craving difference you know and and it's super interesting too coming from you know, a classical music mindset coming from an operatic tradition mindset where um, the voice is so frequently pigeonholed and it's that way of thought can be so easily translated over into like typecasting physically and everything like that. Um, But, you know, I think that um, where a lot of arts makers find themselves right now is um, finding comfortability and recognizing what what stereotypings clearly don't work and then programming from there and it seems it sounds like that's something that like is very important to the way that you're programming this and i guess i'm curious for you like if first off if that makes sense what i've just said but like (laughs) how but i'm really curious about like what the process of going no that doesn't work okay that works bring this like how where do you picture your like your perspective from that coming from does that make sense uh, in terms of programming? Yeah. Um, let's see. So it's like taking, and, and if I'm if I'm not answering your question the right no, way, just stop it. me. Um, in programming, it's like when you think of like the archetypal witches, bitches, and divas, it's like there's a couple numbers that I'll pull from, you know, like Carmen. Like we'll do the yeah. habanera, but um, what we do is we jazz it up a little bit. So it's like you're taking this strong shit like it's Carmen's my favorite because she is truly a witch bitch and a diva all at the same time (laughs) um so it's like I can't go I I can't not have that in a program but um you know it's changing the music up a little bit to keep it fresh and um a a new spin and there's a lot of that going on yeah I guess is there like any fear that comes into play like is there a point where you go like is this like do you you know what I mean like where is there a tug like yes all like constant um you know this is a new realm for me and I love it and I feel that it it speaks to me as a performer um so of course there's fear in, in programming you know that this is uh, we're adding a few different numbers than we did yeah. the first time and, you know, trying things out before it moves to other places. So, of course, you know, in the first um, the first program, like, there were things that worked and there were things that, you know, we could improve upon. So it's, it's always a trial and error. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, for a long time, fear, you know, was debilitating. It would stop me from 
trying things. Right. So uh, fear is always there. Just trying to, you know, work work with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, the reason why I'm kind of like, because I, I think I've been think, trying to put this into words more, because I think. You know, especially in a place like Chicago, there are so many people that are self-producing, you know, and mm-hmm. that are going like, I want to do something that is, that is like, the, there are a lot of folks that are wanting and willing to take their own artistic license. Um, but there's a, uh, there is that, that's where you get more of that fear because when you have the artistic license, you have it and you, there's a, there's that level of like, um, it's all on you. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. And so I, that's something that I think is a piece that we don't, uh, like, quantify enough, like, verbalize enough. And so it's something that I'm trying to figure out how to kind of, like, I'm trying to figure out how to verbalize it. Because I know it's something that is a through line. And it's it's most uh, accurately um, portrayed in a lot of... Um, cabaret programming i mean that's kind of like the essence of from what i've understood from the few people that we've talked to that program in this style um that's really the like key to it is finding that where you can be comfortable in your own artistic licensing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. licensure license maybe just license <laughs> um yeah but you know that's that's one of the things that just makes me go crazy about Chicago. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm fairly new here and I moved in the summer and shortly after, after coming here, um, someone was talking to me about the cabaret scene and, you know, have you ever considered doing that? Um, and you're right. There's so much DIY stuff happening in the city and, um, it's different than New York. It's different than, of course, Boston. It's different than a lot of major cities mm-hmm. uh, that have fabulous artists here. There's something so special about Chicago in that way, and I just want to eat it up. Remind me, where did you where did you move from? Um, I'm originally from the Boston area. Right. I was in New York for a bit, and then um, this past season, I was with Fort Worth Opera down in Texas. Mm-hmm. So all all over the map. Um, yeah, no, it's super interesting. I mean, like, because I, I know that I moved here from Florida, and I've mm. lived here for, like, four and a half years now. And, like, there is definitely, like, a Midwest feel um, to Chicago, but then there's also something inherent to Chicago specifically, too. I, I don't know. What do you think, Mo? Well, as a person who is, like, born and bred Midwest, um, there is something... Because, like, so I'm I'm from Milwaukee, um, which, if you've listened to 40 seconds of any other one of our podcasts, everybody <laughs> knows I'm from Milwaukee. But um, I, uh, you know, even 90 minutes south, it's like a completely, it's, it's a, it is a singular city. Huh. Like, there's, there's no, like, the people are different, the attitude is different, like, the culture is different. I mean, even, you know, in terms of, like, cultural makeup Milwaukee and Chicago are not that different like in Chicago it's in both Chicago and Milwaukee it's German people it's Irish people it's Polish people it's you know a large Hispanic population a large black population and then just kind of like a mishmash of like Slavic you know stuff um Italians in in both cities too and so it's like 
you know, culturally, you know, they they should be similar, but they're not at all. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I guess I'm, I guess I'm wondering, like, what in your mind, like, separates Chicago? Because, you know, I can, I can enumerate the differences between, like, Milwaukee and Chicago, but that's not that interesting. I'm wondering, in your mind, as a person who spent time in New York versus time in Chicago, like, what, what is different about the artistic energy here? I mean, I know that we touched on the DIY-ness, mm-hmm. but, like, is there, is there, because there's got to be more than just that. Well, how about this? Like, what brought you here? Yeah, um... So my husband lived here for a number of years before we met. And um, ever since we got together, he was always saying, like, Chicago, Chicago, it's the best city ever, like, freaking out. And I'd be like, okay. Um, so then when it, you know, when it came down to the end of Texas, we were like, well, where are we going to move to? Um, and it kind of just clicked for both of us that Chicago, it was the right time. And it sure as hell was the right time. Um, I think artistically, emotionally, Physically, we are just so ready for Chicago. Um, but back to your question, Maureen, um, what I love about Chicago so much, aside from the DIYness and all the great artistic things happening here, it's like you get that Midwestern warmth, but you still get the metropolitan feel of the city. And that's mm-hmm. something that I I can't do without. I, I love cities so yeah. much. I love like being in the hustle and bustle. It's like you have that. Um, but then, you know, we, we live in Ravenswood, so we go home and it's like super quiet. It's, you know, very family oriented. You get so much from all these different pockets of the city. It's like, there's something for everyone here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, but again, it's, it's more warm than a New York or even the Boston, you know, there, that, that it's not like Southern hospitality, but Midwestern, is there, is there a phrase that's similar? Midwestern. Minnesota nice. Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota nice. Midwestern nice. Midwestern nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a real thing. It's um, I saw a meme recently. Maybe it was today. I don't know. It's been a long day. Mm. But um, <laughs> this is the first time I'm home today. <laughs> ah! Um, but uh, I saw a meme today that was like um, a, it was a, a picture of a swear jar that was like maybe a third full, and then a completely full jar that said the um like i said i'm sorry when i didn't need to jar (laughs) it was like relatable oh man um so i forgot i forgot what i was gonna say (laughs) so um kind of we've talked a bit quite a bit of kind of like the breadth of this of this programming but i'm also kind of curious for you is there an arc like is there a through line or is it pretty um uh eclectic let's say yeah so the goal is of is to always have an arc um i am trying out some new stuff for this program Mm -hmm. um so i'm still navigating in patter like in between you know i try to keep the talking to a minimum but um you know there there should be a story and i I, you know in programming programming my first cabaret you know i was looking at a lot of articles and resources on like what how the hell do you program cabaret and um you know the big common denominator for all these different opinions was that it needs to have an arc like anything Mm -hmm. like you know when in performing a song or telling a monologue you need a beginning middle and end so yes i try very hard to make sure that there is an arc overall in the program um 
but you know, like we're telling fun little stories here and there, and you know, we're going from uh, poor unfortunate souls to Beyonce, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's like, um, yeah, there's some kind of eclectic mismatching there as well. Cool. Um, so you mentioned that you're doing some new things, that you're adding some new material. Um, kind of like what? What did the first time that you did it like? What did that teach you, and how was that informing you going into the second time doing it? Great. Um, I love what cabaret presents. I love that it's one person very intimately communicating to a group of people that have decided to share their evening with you. Um, and then, what was the question again? Sorry. No, you're totally but, fine. So the first time you did it, you know, you, ah. like, what did that first experience of performing your own cabaret, how has that informed the second time you're going into yes, it? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> in terms of, you know, just how things started out, I felt, very specifically, I felt like it started out too slow the first time. Mm. It took a while to, like, get things heated. Um, so I'm kind of planning on going in this time not like screaming in your face, but a yeah. little more um, high energy in the beginning to get people like on their feet. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, just so that the energy's there because it, it felt kind of dead and then took, not dead, but it took maybe like the third song for people to get warmed up. So, um, you know, kind of going in, start off and giving people something that they would probably expect, um, but, you know, in an up-tempo way and then, transitioning into some things that you wouldn't expect so much i guess no that's super interesting especially because like that's the thing i mean i keep coming back to this but like this bar for expectation is so uh different you know like it's in a space like davenport's which is great that they like are open to bringing different um different acts in but it has that level of a need for relatability, I guess, is the is what I mean to say. And I think that's something that, um, in a lot of ways, and I don't mean to come back to classical music again. I don't know why I keep prefacing <laughs> that I don't mean to do this, but I do mean to do this, I guess. It's just because, like, it is something that, you know, um, in our now over a year of talking with artists and talking with other, like, classically trained singers and, like, figuring out, um, you know what an audience for uh, classically trained singers performing other things and classically trained things, like what that actually ends up looking like. I, th- I feel like in a lot of ways there is so much, you know, not not the same that we taught were learned in school, like what we learned in school. And I just think it's super... I just think it's super interesting and like like I keep saying like figuring out how to verbalize these things is like super important. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, well we I think we get we can get stuck in um in our our groups. Yeah. Um genre-wise and I think what um I try very hard to do in which is bitches divas is create something for everyone because like yes we'll have hopefully have like the classical crowd so we'll we'll do some songs that will appease them and then give them something else like oh I, I wouldn't you know usually be at this in this space with all these theater people or right. or jazz people or people with no music background at all so I, I try very hard to 
give someone of each group something that they're comfortable with, but then throwing something in their face that that yeah. they wouldn't that's typically. That's exactly kind of where, you know? where, I, where I was coming from with that, because it's like, that's such an interesting thought of trying to figure out, like figuring, I guess just like, in a lot of ways, it it's like trying to remove, because I think that in a lot of ways, like, what is right or wrong in a traditional art form can seem very linear. But in a lot of ways, it's really not. Like, a lot of it is really kind of, like, like different... It's just different influences in different spectrums, you know? And so I think that finding the the commonalities of what you can do is a super powerful thing. And I guess... So my actual question here with all of this is, like, what do you think it was about the way that you approach this project that like with with what lens did you have to like apply and like what what kind of like essence of your performing do you feel like you most latched into to find the place where you were like this is something that is both um like celebrating what i've studied but also something that is hyper not hyper but like very relatable and finding those commonalities Mm -hmm. with what you've studied but also with something that's approachable Mm -hmm. um i've always been drawn to strong minded folk yeah characters so um (laughs) starting out with that i mean you across the board you have those characters in in any style of anything you know uh, whether it's the pop diva like a celine or beyonce or um again like going back to carmen um or you know in theater of course we're full of those as well um, so it's like picking characters and then picking songs and then finding a way to, you know, again, back to giving it an arc. Um, so I guess for me in programming and, and picking things like out of the void of nothing and making it something, mm-hmm. um, taking things that I know are my strengths and things that I love and kind of trying to put them together all the while trying to um incorporate relatability with different people of different walks and different um because you know what we do is so similar across the board absolutely and, yeah um hopefully and my, my goal is to kind of create a space i guess where we can uh, celebrate that together mm-hmm. you know yeah and i mean like that's i guess because the thing too is like thinking about Balancing that against the lens of what these types really are, like the type of the t- the title types are are so much authority figures and so uh, have such connotations of like negativity and um, uh, not not fun, you know, <laughs> like not the fun type. And so I think that that's kind of where I, I keep thinking about with this is like that's. Like, well, I guess, I, what what do you mean by fun? Well, I guess my, my thinking here is, like, how uncharted are thinking of these characters a different way in spaces like this, you know? Like, like how, not, I don't mean fun, I just mean, like, it's the, it's the typing. Like, coming at it from the typing perspective, you know? Like, I, I like that you've balanced so heavily these types with the idea of making it I don't mean to keep using words like palatable, but like that's where I'm at, where it's just like. Well, because the title Witches, Bitches, and Divas, it's. Hold on. The cat shenanigans. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, there we go. Okay. Um, 
witches and bitches and divas is an inflammatory title it's like it's a t- it's it's attention grabbing and let me know if i'm at all veering away from your no i don't point. think so I, it sounds like yeah um and so kind of like taking that title and taking that premise and turning it into like an like a fun romp <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you know um I'm I'm glad you brought that up because without you know I'm giving too much away, um, in every version of this that I do, something that I always want to um, incorporate as part of the arc as well is that witches, bitches, divas, no matter where they are in our repertoire, um, you know, it they're faced with rejection. There's someone who has told them that they can't do something and that either pisses them off or, you know, makes them sing something loud, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, it's, it's accepting that, that like we've, we all face rejection. We all face, you know, people telling us things that we can't do, but rising above it and then celebrating it. Um, so it kind of, for me, it all stems back to being told that I have to choose one thing and how much that pissed me off. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, um, and also beyond that, it's so human. That is so much a part of the human struggle that we can all relate to. That was the word I was thinking of. I was going to yeah. ask you about because it's just like, that's what it really is. Is like when you, when you type, when you type, oh, oh. <laughs> cat down. <laughs> yes, don't do it again. Oscar just tried to jump on the piano, but didn't make it. Yeah. Um, Typing in a lot of ways takes robs of humanity. Yes, and I think that's super powerful in in the way to approach these things. Um, I actually really want to because uh, this kind of is really relevant to me after my experience of watching you and Great God Pan, hmm. and I, I think that's um, an interesting correlation of um, for those that didn't see it. Uh, you, w- I would say that that is a pretty inhuman character is that an unfair assessment what do you think actually i'm gonna not have an opinion on this Uh, (laughs) my that opinion's redacted what is your how tell me about that character okay i I feel like most people have either seen it or like will find a way to see it yeah or like read the novel heard about the right right the the storyline there um for any character you know you you have to make it human for yourself. Sure. You know, actually, well, to to go back, when I was first cast, you know, I'd read the book, and, um, you know, part of what Ross does so well with adapting it into an opera is he truly gives Helen a voice, mm-hmm. um, which is not present in the novel, mm-hmm. and which happens in a lot to a lot of female characters and a, a lot of, you know, different storylines. Um, but... You know, I loved that through this piece, through uh, Great Cup and the Opera, you know, we're able to kind of find out more about Helen and what her motivations are. And um, it comes from a place of, in my mind, love and of, you know, wanting people to understand her side of things and why she chooses to do the things that she does. And that, you know, she sees no fault in her actions because they, they all come from a place of making the world making the universe a better place mm-hmm. now not everyone may agree with the, the tactics chosen yeah, right. um yeah. oh yeah you yeah. know but but 
she's very much Helen. The character is very much kind of exactly what we do in Witches, Bitches, Divas. It's right. giving, yeah. giving a story and and allowing people to empathize with why you know Ursula's not all bad. You know, like she she does the things because she has been rejected, and um, you know her. I forgot if Triton's her brother or whatever or not, but you know she's she's been cast away, and it's. Um, there, there are things that we can empathize with these characters, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Same, same with Helen. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about like being told that you can't do something. Yes, because I'm, because I was also told that. Like, I grew up, I grew up in like a bluegrass band, and oh. I, yeah, I've got a whole, I've got a whole like origin story but um (laughs) another time that sounds fascinating i'd love to hear more about that but i what is with these cats man i tell you all right well she's got a battery anyway (laughs) um so um i grew up singing I, i you know i took voice lessons all through middle school and high school but ultimately like i i sang a whole bunch of stuff and then when i got to college i was told like no for these four years you can only sing opera and I was like, but there's so much more out there. And I'm I'm wondering, like, if, like, was was your experience of being told that you can't, that you can only sing opera, was that just in college? Or was that, like, through, like, was that, like, through kind of, like, the young artist circuit as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it started in college. And I, I still did some jazz which was nice. You know, I, I cut myself off from the theater just because it was impossible to do both in a lot of programs. You yeah. know, a lot of programs make it very hard to do both things. Um, but no, it followed through grad school and into young artist programs the next year or two after that. Um, and, you know, n- not everyone may agree with me from a, uh, you know, pedagogical standpoint, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Like, you don't have to. Um, but, for me, you know, being able to explore all the things that make you tick as a performer, that is key. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, since upon allowing myself to to do those other things and not sticking to one thing, I've completely evolved as a performer. And I, I wish that for everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, me being able to belt out Patsy Cline, yes. like, has made me an infinitely more, like engaging performer absolutely and like yeah everybody should have that experience everybody should be able to you know find because like it's you know it's and this is the case with everything that you do i mean if it's why like music education is important even if you only care about math Mm. because it's it's all about being well-rounded you know like all through high school i like i like did not care about any other subject but what i kept telling myself was like hey like even though i don't care about uh geometry like ultimately what this is teaching me is that you have to sometimes do things that you don't want to do and so like you know i i think that you can learn so much from doing things that aren't your main focus Mm -hmm. and like being denied that in an educational setting is so frustrating so frustrating and it's and it leads you to getting burned out absolutely Absolutely. Burnout is so real in those mm-hmm. programs. It is so real. Yep. Cause like what percentage of your of your freshman class graduated with you? Oh. 
I mean, I don't need, like, a hard number, but, like... Yeah, I, I can't pull a number out of my butt yeah. right now. But, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. Like, absolutely. And even beyond that, people that have graduated and gone to grad school and done the young artist programs, a lot of them now at this point, you know, not a lot, but there there are people that we all know that, you know, after doing XYZ that you're told to do, it's like, well, now I'm not feeling fulfilled in the way that I thought I would be, perhaps. Yeah. And then, and then there's like kind of that feeling of like, well, but I've just been doing this for so long. Like, do I even have it in me to go down that path? Hmm. Like, I think that like, I have a friend who I graduated with who, you know, who got her undergrad in classical voice who got her graduate degree in you know classical voice and now she's in new york and she's like i'm not auditioning for musical theater things and she's like taking dance classes now and mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. like she's got the voice and but it's you know and i think she can do it but like what a scary thing yeah what a scary thing to be starting at 28 in in the new york musical theater world mm-hmm. and and if if we had been afforded, if she had been afforded the opportunity to to build those necessary skills, like she would, it, it's it it just seems silly to me that that we're not given every possible opportunity. I am so with you, and you know I do feel like things are changing. You know, uh, opera is changing, uh, theater is yeah, it's fine. They're they're, they're <laughs> they have enough money. They're doing fine. Um, but you know, the, the people's people's concepts of their artistry and their performer scope that's it's changing mm-hmm. um and actually so i was doing this concert in texas and um i was chatting with an old colleague and um their daughter is applying for college and is interested in theater and they were telling me about this one school swarthmore in pa that they they encourage you to try out all these different things and a lot of i think the first their freshman year everything's um pass fail you know so it's it's really welcoming all these different experiences and that's something that just makes people tick it makes people interesting to be able to explore different things mm-hmm. and i hate that for you know, so long, so many of us felt that we had to put ourselves in a box and that we were told that, you know, if you want to be successful, you have to do this one thing and it has to be what you eat, sleep, breathe, drink. Um, And, you know, I'm preaching the gospel here. Ever since that I allowed myself to branch out, I have been happier as a person. I feel more fulfilled as an artist. Mm -hmm. And I am like, anytime that, you know, I'm working with someone and they say that, you know, I've always wanted to try this thing. Like, I'm like, okay, great. Let's talk about it. Like, here's, yeah, you can, right. you know, I'm, I'm, I love encouraging that. And I just wish that everyone, uh, if there's something that makes them tick, follow it, try it out. And if, if it's not great, fine, but at least you tried it. And I mm-hmm. think it makes you going back to whatever realm is your strength. It, it makes you a more interesting person and performer. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I could I could elaborate on it, but it would just be <laughs> more of the same. Yes. Oh man. So um, I am wondering. So who who are you? Is it is it just going to be you singing? Like who's who are you working with? Great question. Um, so I have the fabulous Shion Costello. He is a Chicago gem, um, incredible pianist, 
and uh, years ago, you know, was playing a lot of the the great solo piano repertoire and wanted to branch out and started doing this this form. It's speak, he's a speaking pianist, um, which is wild. So he'd do, you know, a Debussy piece and transpose a poem on top of it with spoken word. And he does all these cool things, performs all over Chicago, um, and is a very good friend of my husband's and now um, mine as well. And, um, you know, I was really excited for the opportunity to collaborate with this person. And um, so I love, and, you know, he's an actor also. So it's, you know, again, branching out and, yeah. and making yeah. things exciting for you. Um, and then we also have uh, the illustrious Emma Sorensen, uh, Chicago Metal oh, Soprano. She's great. Yep, she's going to uh, come up and do a number with us. We're very excited for that uh, as well. But, um, you know, I try to bring bring up different people all the time. I had Brian Locke uh, played with me last time. He's a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous accompanist um, in the city of Chicago as well. And, um, you know, I just love working with, with other people all the time and, and bringing new people up. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of a, a common thread as it goes to different cities, you know, just bringing up all sorts of people, like people that maybe aren't an opera singer or are an opera singer. And then the next time bringing up, um, you know, someone that's a singer-songwriter, just, you know, incorporating all, all different mm-hmm. All different walks of artists. Yeah, no, it feels very particularly groundbreaking feeling like um, recognizing that more and more folks are are wanting to do, like, think of things polymathically. You know, like, that's so, such a thing that um, when you study something that is so frowned upon, like, deviations from the norm. Um, and I feel like, though, like, the things that we're starting to see are going to be more successful over the next decade. You know, like, immediately I'm thinking of, like, a Donald Glover, you know, where, like, he was a comedian turned rapper, turned TV show writer, turned, like, now he's, like, an R&B, like, uh, soul, like, neo-soul artist doing his own, directing his own show for FX. And it's like <laughs> that, and, and winning Emmys and like playing, um, um, I don't know Star Wars that Star Wars that well. There are like a hundred people getting mad at this recording right now. Oh, as God. I that. Um, <laughs> but playing Lando, you know, and it's, um. it's, um, I feel like in a lot of ways, like things that we may have deemed as like traditional success merits, uh, like what is the like decades and decades of American meritocracy is finally recognizing that like what folks that are creating now are really appreciating is where those fusions are and where those different things are, Hmm. um, different influences and stuff. Um, we only have a few minutes left. Wow. So the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like an upcoming cabaret. Um, But we also love hearing about other stuff, uh, including if you want to mention any um, self-care things that you... or uh, any other folks that you think are doing dope work, Mm. or any self-care things like media, books, TV shows, movies, stuff like that. So, of course, uh, plug, obvious plug, Witches, Bitches, Divas, this Saturday, March 31st, 8 p.m. at Davenport's Piano nice. Bar. Um, that's the obvious Saturday, one. Saturday, 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 Saturday. Um, then, actually, two days after that, I'm starting rehearsals for Jesus Christ Superstar with Chicago Lyric. Wow! So excited for that. The cast is nuts. Um, if you haven't checked out that list, I would check that out immediately. These people are insane um actually it's funny what you were just mentioning daniel um joe lampert 
is the Mary Magdalene for this production. I am humbled to be her understudy. Uh, I was reading an interview of hers recently, and um, she was getting at why she classifies herself as a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, to to your point of Danny Glover, what you were just mentioning, um, it encompasses all different things. You know, uh, for me, I'd, I've been kind of playing with the, the term of singing actress, um, which kind of sounds pretentious a little bit. I think I may be changing that soon, but I loved what she had to say <laughs> about classifying herself as a performer because she's like, I'm so many things. I, I DJ. I'm a singer. I'm a. I'm an actor. I'm. She DJs. I think so. She had. I because be- she had mentioned that in this interview. I'm still like continuously looking her up because I just think she's so rad. Um, she was also Joan of Arc at the Public in New York production david byrne wrote this musical and i had not heard about it i've you know I've caught some clips of it but uh this is a common thread for so many of these cast members so um i would say like go go check it out check out what these people are doing they're you know singing with postmodern jukebox or they're you know on broadway or they're um you know a public speaker or activist or all these things and it's it's so rad and i'm like beyond the moon to be in the same room as these folks um, so that's super, super, super neat. Super, super. Cool. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dan Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. <laughs> if you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are so many ways you can do that. The first is to head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We post all of our articles there. Uh, recent stuff right now, um, we just published a feature on uh, from our uh, interview back in January with the specifically the Wisconsin Women's March organizers. We had a really interesting and um, thoughtful conversation on intersectionality, and our uh, good friend, uh, Jill Groot uh, wrote up a, uh, a feature of that podcast episode, so do check that out. Um, otherwise, uh, Danielle Levski's killing it over in our theater section. I'm trying to remember what just got released. Um, Go find out. Oh! Um, a a, a wrap-up of the Prop Theater's yes. season. Yes. Um, interviewing their the three directors the artistic director and then the two directors that they're good friend of the in. show olivia lily yeah um stefan brune talking no uh, okay th- three olivia and then two two of her like contemporaries yeah um and uh and then um talking about um kind of their definition of what a devised work is it's a it's a feat it is a beautiful article yeah please check it out cool um otherwise you can keep up with us on social media we have a really dope facebook group called sounding board it's super fun um we love it uh also uh you can find us on facebook under scopy magazine we're on instagram twitter and tumblr under scopy mag and all the podcast cast places under scopy radio uh and if you have a podcast cast place that we are not in feel free to shoot me a message those nudges are super helpful for me because i have a lot of things on my plate and sometimes i forget to to apply for things or put send in stuff so if there's a a a platform that you want to be included on uh feel free to reach out let me know and we'll i'll get it set up and as always i'm here to emphasize the importance of donations we run on a shoestring budget everything that we've been able to do up to this point has been through your generosity so first of all thank you so much Second of all, we could use a little bit more help. If you're in a position to give, you can head to our website, scopymag.com, and go to our donate section. There are a couple ways that you can give. 
First of all, you can do a one-time donation. If you choose to do that, you will have our eternal gratitude. Otherwise, for as little as $5 a month, you can support our mission of uplifting local arts and independent media. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com. So, give a little, give a lot, and if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep.